Summer 2020 was challenging for all, especially those of us who chose not to open for a traditional summer at camp. While we have the utmost respect for those camps that found a way to make it happen, today's podcast is dedicated to our colleagues who had to make a choice they never thought they'd have to make, featuring the stories of two terrific camp programs and their thoughtful directors, one from the north and one from the east. This is the Day Camp Pod. This is the Day Camp Pod from Go Camp Pro, bringing you the best ideas, strategies, and discussions in the day camp industry. You can find our show notes at daycamppodcast.com. A big thanks to our sponsors who make the Day Camp Pod possible. AM Skyer is a leading insurance and strategic partner for many of the finest camps in America. For 101 years, AM Skyer has been supporting camps in PR, legal, health, facility management, general safety, and more. Experience the AM Skyer difference at amskyer.com. This Day Camp podcast is brought to you by CRS, Commercial Recreation Specialists. Find purveyors of the best recreation solutions to keep camp going strong. Check out their website at crs4rec.com. CRS is serious about fun. Welcome back, my friends, to the Day Camp podcast. I'm Andy Pritikin, Director of Liberty Lake in the Philly suburbs of New Jersey. I'm Sam Thompson from Crystal Lake Park District, Crystal Lake, Illinois. I am Tiffany McDuffie, founder of Purposeful Play in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And we are day camp professionals joining uh, forces to provide a forum to share ideas and best practices across North America and beyond. And today is our second debrief pod from the COVID craze 2020 season featuring Kelly Shuna from Hidden Pines Ranch and Ben Esposito from Camp Alvernia. Welcome, guys. Thanks for coming. Really appreciate it. Thank so you. we wanted to start with Kelly. So, so, so this is also Kelly. This is what we call cross pollinating. Like, like, you know, in, in the COVID, in the COVID summer, we weren't allowed to commingle the groups, but we are commingling the podcasts here, right? This is, this is intentional. Okay. So, so Kelly, why don't you just tell us really quick about your podcast that you do with our friend, Howie. Oh, it's like free advertising. We didn't even have to yes. pay for it. Ooh, la la. straight. Uh, so Howie and I have a podcast for camp owners, for private camp owners, and we like to talk about a little bit of everything from business topics to staff, to staff development, to training, uh, COVID, all of that great stuff. Also, how you manage owning a camp and having a family or having a spouse. And so we like to talk uh, with all different types of guests in the camp industry, and we have that about once a month. So it's called the Camp Owners Podcast, right? Camp Owners Podcast by Go Camp Pro, you bet. The C-O-P. All right, cool. (laughs) (laughs) Sound like a 90s rapper. I like it. Yeah, it does. So, um, all right. So, so Callie, give us a couple minutes. Tell us a little bit about you and Hidden Pines Ranch. All right. Well, Hidden Pines Ranch, we are a day camp located in Stillwater, Minnesota, and this would have been our 37th summer. My husband, Peter, and I bought the camp four years ago, so this would have been our fifth summer. We're the third family to own it. Uh, My husband was a camper here as a little boy and a counselor, which is awesome. So we're basically living out his eight-year-old boy dream, but he had to keep his day job. So I'm the lucky, I guess I'm living out his eight-year-old boy dream. Uh, But he's here, obviously we live here. So he's here on the weekends. He's kind of like the silent partner, silent legal counselor, uh, maintenance man on the side. But so we're a day camp, really traditional. We have about 800 campers that come through our camp every summer from entering fifth grade to 10th grade. And I am the director in the summer. So that's my spiel, Andy. It's tremendous. And, and, I, and, you know, I was looking at your guys' website, you know, I do my research before these podcasts, mm-hmm. you know, Kelly, it's important. And, um, and, I, and I like the way that you guys reference that you guys are sort of keeping the tradition, even though this has been a few different families that have owned this, that you're sort of trying to keep it going. You know, I thought that was sort of cool. Yeah, it's, re- it's really cool. And, you know, it, what's really interesting is all families had three kids. You know, like the similarities that you mm-hmm. start to find in between. And it's been neat to connect with the original owner. I didn't know her myself, Claire. So it feels exciting to be carrying on the torch that she started. Right. Right. So, so I got to know you because I'm friends with Howie and the camp owners podcast and all, but then we got to know each other also last spring when the, you know, what was hitting the fan and we were all freaking out basically. Yep. Right. And, Mm -hmm. and, and Kelly, um, even though I didn't know her well, was was really, really honest 
and and really forthcoming and and really sort of you know voiced a lot of the concerns that a lot of us had, but a lot of us were sort of keeping at bay. <laughs> and Kelly was like, no, we really got to think about these kind of things. And, and it was a really t- tough decision, I know, for you not to open. Um, and and pa- part, you know, partially, be- I mean, there was so many reasons, right? It's like a minestrone soup of reasons, right? <laughs> and then the, the, the main thing with me that I, was th- I thought was really interesting about it too, is that you're, you have a camp that you compete with across the way, and that was opening and, and there was a lot of um a lot of pressure because i know i have a lot of friends that pretty much opened because of that reason because their competition was open they didn't want to open but their competition opened so if, if you could just uh touch on the, the spring struggle for you because i just thought um you really exemplified it for a lot of people well i guess you know in keeping with the forthright and openness i'll tell you this is kind of like ripping off a virtual band-aid i'm yeah. not gonna lie so Howie and I did a podcast last week with uh, two camp owners that opened. And after I was like, oh, Howie, this is kind of painful. Like, you know, <laughs> you kind of think you're moving on and then you talk about it. And I was like, ouch. But I also agreed to talk to Andy and Sam and Tiff and now I'm going to rip it off again. So, um, but you know what? I'm going to put on my breast Brene Brown and I'm going to be vulnerable yeah. and honest. Um, but that's interesting to me because it still is painful. I'm not going to lie. It's still not easy. And after that podcast, I had that, oh, did I, did I do the right thing? And, but that's just who I am. I'm going to, you know, and I will figure it out and I'll that's do it. That's why like you're this. good at this, Kelly. That's why yes. people like you on these podcasts. Yeah. I'm, a, real. I'm doing a lot of self-study right now. Um, <laughs> I went on a walk and listened to new Brene Brown. And so, you know, but anyway, going back to the spring, Yes, Andy. I did, he did answer my call and we talked. And, you know, we, my husband and I had a lot of dealings with the Minnesota Health Department. We were helping be on a kind of committee with them for camps and talking through everything. And so I spent a lot of time with, talking with the health department. I spent a lot of time reaching out to other camp professionals. And what it came down to for us is, you know, we had the green light. So we got the green light around May 22nd, I would say. And I was listening to Andy and your podcast, Sam and Tiff, last week, you know, trying to get the Band-Aid just a little loose before I actually <laughs> talk to you. And uh, I heard Andy talking a lot about really being transparent with his staff. And that was really our aim during that time. And so we didn't stay silent with staff and our camp families. We were really forthright. I, just like Andy did, started with emails and then I did lots of video and just said, here's where we're at. Here's what we're waiting to hear. Here's what we're waiting for. Uh, here's personally what we're thinking and what kind of the intentions will be of our decision. And so we really had a lot of communication with families and let them know our deadlines. We did have to push it back uh, from what we initially thought. We thought May 15th, we'd know for sure. But around the 22nd, we got the green light. So we got the green light. And uh, as much as I was hoping someone else would make that decision for me, that wasn't how it went but that's life. And so when I got that green light and had that feeling in my stomach, it kind of just reaffirmed how I'd been feeling. I had talked with, like, I remember talking with you, Andy, and I could hear in your voice that you were there. Like you were there. We're running. We're doing this. I'm feeling confident. And I just wasn't there. I just couldn't get there. And I could hear in the people I was talking to who were running that were there. I talked to Steve. Oh, and, and I heard it in your voice too. Yeah. I just, yeah. I just couldn't get there. And um, for us in a small town community and it j- just felt like something that we, the risk felt too high for us. Um, I mean, me, that's part of the self-study. I probably have a low tolerance for risk. Apparently we need to study that, but uh, I just, it, it felt to us like, it was a risk that we weren't willing to take with what we knew at the time. So we made, we kind of had that gut feeling and we had a call coming up that Monday with our veteran staff. And I talked with Steve Baskin on that Saturday or Sunday, my husband and I did. And something that he had said to me helped with what our next step was. He had mentioned a PPP loan and he was like, well, Kelly, you can just take out that PPP loan and hire your staff regardless if you run. And when we originally looked at it, it wasn't an option for us, I think, based on our pay or our um, salary window. But when those rules changed, she had said they changed. So we looked into that and things kind of snowballed from there. We had a veteran call with our staff with our call with our veteran staff that Monday and just kind of saying, hey, here's where we're at. Here's what this looks like. But we also are considering if we don't run that we are going to take out this loan. And 
just the look on their faces of the relief of I could still have a job and um, I could still be a part of camp even if the kids aren't there. That mixed with how we were feeling kind of sealed the deal with where we were going. So what we decided to do was we took out a PPP loan and we extended a job offer to all of our two-year plus staff that wanted to be employed for the summer. And we basically brochure with them is that these are going to be work pods. You're going to work in small little pods. You'll be wearing masks. You'll be socially distant. But we're going to do all the things we've always talked about doing that we've never done. So that's what we did for the summer. We had 25 staff and work crews and worked around camp for eight weeks. So what did they do? What did these work pods do? Well, you know, we, we had some Zoom meetings and we just said, what are the dreams you have for camp? Like, what have you always wanted to do or have here or see here or the things we always say we'll do and we never get time for? So we did such things as we created a new area um, over by our canoeing pond for exploration and nature camp craft cooking. We pulled a lot of buckthorn. Buckthorn is wicked here in Minnesota. So <laughs> we pulled buckthorn. We did lesson planning. We, what we really tried to do, Andy, is we looked at our staff and we, we asked them, what are your strengths? What are you really interested in? Are you fired up about lesson planning and curriculum and you're going into education? Are you fired up about camper connections? So they worked on YouTube videos and camp in a box and TikToks that we put on our Instagram. Uh, we asked them, you know, some of them just wanted to work. They were like, I am just in a headspace where I just want physical labor. So just put me to work. Um, we had some that really wanted to make our garden. Um, so we redid our garden and they did some construction stuff. So we really started from that, a mix of marrying, what do we want to get done here? And what are the strengths of our counselors? And so we assigned them to different work crews and just, we got so much done, which is awesome. It was still really hard, um, but we got a lot done. So that felt really good. It sounds like you have some amazing things that you've revised already for next summer. Yeah. I mean, that was, I think the whole thing that we went into it with Sam was, what can we do this summer that will make 2021 even better than it already was? And that's what we told families too, that here's our focus. We're going to employ our phenomenal staff whose hearts are at Hidden Pines and who have stuck with us. Because that's what was hard too, is they stuck with us till May 22nd. And although they probably wouldn't have a lot of job options, that still meant something to us. And so it was all, let's make some good old lemonade, all these lemons, and let's make camp even better than it already was, which feel hard to imagine. Um, but that was just really intent. Like what will make your job better and camp better and us as a whole better next year? That's yeah. wonderful. The, the staff got that opportunity. That's fantastic. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think it speaks to the spirit of camp just that you were able to like say, I think first of all, it's just very human to say, oh my God, I wish they had made the decision for me, right? <laughs> so, because I mean, literally it's like, that's why we ask for other people's opinions because then we have someone to blame. Oh, we couldn't do it, you know? So it would have made it so much easier. I think I definitely went through that and I experienced that same emotion like, oh wait, I have to make the choice that could affect all these lives. So um, I just want to say, you're not alone in that. I also have to pull out my inner Brene Brown all the time. <laughs> but the same grit and resilience that we teach the kids you know, that shows that we're still learning those things as we go. And so kudos to you for making a tough decision, first of all. But um, it also reminded me of a, a podcast that I was on that was talking about how there are seasons to every business for like owners of the business. Um, and directors of a, of a camp that they don't own might feel very different. But when you own the business, you're so rooted and grounded in like, every decision is on me. You know what I mean? The HR decisions, the staffing, the recruiting, the kids, all the liability lies here. And so I think that um, a way to not make it feel so much like you're pulling off a Band-Aid would just be to look at the culture that you created in the midst of that mess, right? Like this has been a mess. And so the fact that you still kept your, your counselors like shout out, you know what I mean? You know, that shows your dedication to sticking with those that stuck with you. And it truly embodies all of the things that we teach the kids. And so hats off. Yeah. And I, and just going along with what Tiff's saying, when you're, when you're the business owner or the, or the chief executive, whatever you want to call yourself at a camp and, and you're just constantly in those, you're getting the things done that got to get done. And maybe you're at the next level after that. And then all those big dreams and thoughts you have get push to the side, right? Every single year I make a September list all year long and then September yep. comes and then it's like, all of a sudden it's, it's like Thanksgiving. <laughs> and I'm like, like, 
hardly even chipped into my September list, you know? So, oh, yeah. so yeah, like, like I, I always say to, like, I wish I could like get in a car accident and just be like stuck in like a bed so I could like sit there and like do all these things and read all these books that, that I want to do because, you know, be cut off. But yeah. Well, happens. we always say in the fall, <laughs> we're always like, Oh, in the fall. Oh, in the fall. Oh, let's see to the fall, you know, then there'll be get, time. Always, oh, in the fall would be great. So we need a T-shirt, like in the fall, and then just a big X, like not happening. Here's my T-shirt. All my YouTube friends. Oh, there you go. Eat, sleep. Oh, I like that. I like that. Nice advertising. (laughs) Yeah, you know, I I think what it came down to is our staff feels like our family, and you know, being a privately owned camp, and my kids are, you know, get to know the staff, and they really. I mean, that's where we. That's what we preach. That's what we say, that our culture, you become a part of this family. And for us, it felt like the one thing we could take care of. We could take care of our staff. We maybe couldn't give camp to the kids and those families and those parents, which was raw and hard, but it felt like something. So that was kind of the theme. This is, it's not everything. It's not what it was, not as it has been, but it's something that we could do. And we just kind of dove into it and took it on. And that felt really good for us so just the ability to control the controllables like this is what we can do so again yeah yeah. well said well stated so so now you're reaching out to your camp families you're you're saying hey 2021 right even though it may not look that much different like the world may not be that much different than it is this summer how are you framing it for them to get them on board for next summer uh really good question andy thank you um you know, I've been thinking a lot about that. I Our t-shirt that we made, we made a t-shirt for the work crew and we made a sweatshirt and some camper families bought it, but it said camp is more than a place. So for us, that was kind of the theme is what camp is and that spirit like Tiff mentioned is it's more than a place. And so I, our kind of approach with families is, you know, we hope that you still feel connected to camp. I mean, we worked really hard this summer to bring camp to you and through Camp in a Box. But, you know, we haven't done any registration stuff. We usually don't start till January. So we've kind of just let things ease into the fall with school. In Minnesota, we're doing a lot of hybrid models for school. And so we haven't talked yet with our camper families about 2021 season. Mm-hmm. But when we do, um, you know, I think we'll go into it in we're going to be back in 2021. Uh, The pandemic norms are more the norm now, whatever those look like, the masks, the social distancing, things like that. I feel like we know more and we will know more. So I I think going into it, it will feel somewhat similar and camp's going to be back, but it will be different. And we don't know exactly how that will be different and what that will look like. But I believe that we, no, I don't believe, I know, I know we have the confidence that we'll be back. And if anyone can do it, we'll do it. And um, I, I hope that families like the three of you talked about that had a lot of grace um, with you that will have grace with us. But I've thought a lot about might may have to make some changes to our session offerings and the length. But to be honest with you, they're kind of a pain during registration anyway because <laughs> we're so flexible with families yeah. that I might kind of blame it on the pandemic. I hope none of my camper families are listening to no, this. But no, they <laughs> if we have to make changes uh, like that because they will make group mixing less or scheduling easier, I think we will have to take a hard look at that and uh, what registration looks like. So that's kind of what I'm starting to ease into is really taking a hard look at that. And we'll probably be reaching out to other camp directors about some of the things that they're doing for session length and registration and stuff. Well, take it from three camps that ran. You could, you could blame the pandemic. You could blame anything on it. (laughs) Anything. Anything. Perfect. It's like like the ultimate mulligan card. And and no one questions you. They're just like, like, okay. Safety children. There you go. We're down with it. (laughs) That's the other thing I was going to say that um, it really is as opposed to like when you're looking for your parents to provide grace, it really is looked at as the, um, the prudent choice, the most safe choice, you know, like we were going above and beyond by saying that we weren't going to do this. And I think early on, I definitely felt like, Oh, are we failing the families? But I don't think any families felt that way. We um, intention, we ran camp, but we were at a quarter of what our typical registration is. And so again, I really do feel you on that keeping the staff in place. Cause that was a really tough decision. You know, 
my camp is small. We're small. We're urban. We're not publicly funded. We, you know, and so it, it was, it was tough. I think that, that not opening was just as prudent and responsible a choice as choosing to open. You know, it was, I don't think there was a wrong, a wrong answer at all. Yeah. You, you probably made just as many people happy by closing as you disappointed people. Frankly, it's, it's probably relatively even. I think that's what it was pretty much across the board. Most yeah. Camps. I think you hear from both, right? You yeah. hear of the whole, across the whole board and some par- parents were with that and some weren't, but I think just regardless, they, I hope, and I think they told me that they just knew how much can't matter to us with it right. being such a difficult choice that just spoke to how important they are and how important their kids are to us and, and their families. So yeah, you got to make a choice, right? I think our school districts are finding out now that there's no right answer <laughs> when they're going through it now. So um, yep. I think both can't are. Can't make everybody happy. Right. You're both not are guacamole. Examples. Can't make everybody happy. Nope. On, only guac and pizza can do that. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Kelly, really quick, could you just give us the, like the, the one minute like synopsis on Camp in a Box? Oh, Camp in a Box. So what we did is we had two camp in a boxes. And, and wait, you also did virtual camp in the spring because you were doing it at the same time I was. Like you were yes. doing stuff. Yes. Yep. So we did Zoom stuff during the whole spring while kids were mm-hmm. in quarantine and um, sheltering in place. So we did cooking classes. We did crafts. We did all a camp get together every Friday and we had mm-hmm. a theme. So we'd dress up and uh, do, and we'd break off into middle school and our sixth grade program and our kindergarten program. So we did that up until the end of the school year so that kids would have something. But then we felt and heard from our families in the summer, they were zoomed out. And I think we were zoomed out too. <laughs> so what we did is we made two camp in a boxes and what we had in there was always an arts and a cra- art and craft, and we'd have videos that went with everything. We had a nature camp craft, so we made a video on how to make our um, what is it? Our cobbler that we do in our Dutch ovens. And so Debbie, who's been with us for like thirty five years, did a little video, and then we sent the supplies home. And then the second one, we did banana boats. We actually sent a banana. I don't know how it is, if it survived or not, but the tinfoil and marshmallows and shot, it doesn't matter, right? It's a thought that counts. Um, we did a new friendship bracelet. So we had the template in there. So it's just little things of camp. We sent them a name tag with their name on it. It had a camp shirt in it. It had uh, make your own weather rock, just things that felt like we were sending camp to them. So we, they couldn't come to camp, but camp could come to them. And so it was videos and things in a box and it was and something. What, did you charge people for it? You just sent them to them? And when they we asked, did. what did you do? Yep. Nope. We had a camp. We created a camp store. So that's something else we did. We never had a camp store online. So we created a camp store. So they purchased it online. So it was like one box was a certain price. But if you get two, the combo, you get a t-shirt <laughs> in the second one, you know, very shoppy. So that's what we did. Uh, and we had a really good turnout of families that had that purchased those from us. That's super cute. I just, I just hope that somewhere there's not an unopened camp in a box somewhere with a rotten <laughs> banana in it sitting in some. <laughs> hey, just like the lemons and lemonade, Andy, we're making banana bread out of that brown banana. Happy somewhere. fruit flies somewhere. That's yeah. right. Surprise. <laughs> Maybe if she's welcome, free, we'd have to worry about them not opening. But since the parents paid for them, then we know they True. were open. True. Right. Moms yes. opened the box. Andy. They needed things to do during that exactly. point. Exactly. There is no doubt about it. And you know, right. as adults, we love to get that little makeup thing once a month or wine of the month or whatever. So the kids were probably so excited. Heck yeah. yeah. Heck yeah. Well, I want- Sam, we know you, you have subscription boxes coming to your house, we see. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Really appreciate you sharing all that with us, Kelly. So stay on and chime in, you know, as we as we continue here. All right. So, Andy, I heard there's another way to connect with camp uh, professionals. I heard Ann Skyer has a Facebook page. Oh yeah. So so you know, there's lots of different. You know, of course, there's a summer camp professionals group, which which you know, run by our man Travis from Go Camp Pro, has over twenty thousand members. That's insane. Um, but yeah, on much much smaller micro levels, there's much there's as many of those, and one of them is the AM Skyer group. So AM Skyer, um, one of our proud sponsors, um, is is one of the you know, most prominent insurers of camps across the country. And and they started a Facebook group for their members. Uh, and, you know, it's sort of, it, 
uh, Camp Minder sort of reminds me of uh, AM Skyrit 2, where you get sort of like these prominent camps together and then they can sort of share ideas and best practices, right? And and the thing about AM Skyrit is that they're not just an insurance company. They have a PR person. They have a legal person. Um, they have a medical person. Uh, and, and, and they offer free advice. Well, it's free. You're paying your premiums. But I mean, it's included advice. Um, so, you know, these people can get back to you within these groups too. And then also, you know, I'll see some of my friends and colleagues from across the country in there, you know, and be able to um, communicate with them. So yeah, AM Skyer, you know, for a hundred years, this is their hundredth uh, summer insuring camps. They're now like third or fourth generation. Uh, they're awesome. They're the biggest um, supporters of the camp industry of any um, camp partner that I've ever seen. They sponsor pretty much everything in ACA um, that, that they can. Um, but anyway, moving on. Thanks, Kelly. I want to introduce again our friend Ben. I say again because Ben did have a small cameo on the Day Camp Pod back at what we are now calling the last conference on Earth, right? The Tri-State Camp Conference 2020, <laughs> where we set up shop uh, and and uh, and interviewed a whole ton of people. Uh, so, Ben, how are you doing today? I'm doing good, man. And that Tri-State. I mean, that seems like so long ago. Uh, I'm looking forward to Tri-State 2021, but you're right. That really does feel like the last Tri-State. Yeah, the last conference point. on earth. I think my yeah. wife told me there was a conference after that with some doctors that all got COVID. Um, but <laughs> pretty much we were it. You have to imagine we were at this conference getting push notifications on our phone of like the world ending. You know, and yep. we're just like, oh, I guess I shouldn't hug Ben then, you know. Yeah, well, I remember a lot of sort of elbow <laughs> tapping and kind of joking and laughing and social awkwardness about is, is there really a global pandemic right now? Because it's just another year at Tri-State and I'm seeing all my colleagues and friends again. But uh, yeah, I mean, who could have known, you know, what was to come? Yeah. I certainly didn't expect to, uh, to, to be completely... Yep. And, and, and Tri-State actually just announced this past week that they are going to go virtual. Um, it's going to, it's going to, they're going to merge with uh, the New England section and do a big virtual uh, conference. So people from all over the country will be able to experience Tri-State for the first time. And I'm sure it'll be good and affordable and all that kind of thing. And they're going to try to do a spring thing at a camp. You know, so they're thinking like a place maybe like Liberty Lake that has lots of outdoor pavilions and tents and a big parking lot. Um, we shall see. But, you know, if camps can do it, why can't camp conferences do it? Is that as the way they're sort of looking at it? So, we'll yeah, I mean, my staff and I are already starting to plan our um, uh, happy hours and, you know, <laughs> from home instead. Yeah, it could be interesting. Um, all right. So, Ben, could you just a uh, couple minutes on yourself? And Camp Alvernia, well, that's going to take a couple more than a couple of minutes because you and your camp are both pretty darn interesting. But go for it. Uh, let the uh, yeah, sure. I mean, in short, I, I really love the camp industry. I've I really only worked at one camp, which is this one. You know, as a kid, I went to a whole bunch of different types of camps, from uh, local day camps to sleepaway camps. But this was a camp that was in the next town over, and I started working here at uh, at age sixteen. Um, did maintenance for a few years and then sort of worked my way up the ladder to becoming an assistant director. And then when my director passed away, it was in 2008, I took over for him in kind of an emergency situation and um, as interim camp director, and I've been here ever since. Uh, really a special place. It's owned and operated by the Franciscan Brothers of Brooklyn, and we're actually the oldest Catholic camp in the country, uh, continuously operating over 130 years. Um, so we serve uh, boys and girls ages 3 to 14 in a day camp program, but what really feels like a residential camp setting. Uh, we have about 15 acres. We're on the water. We have a lot of woods. Um, and actually, our, our camp was uh, an all-boys sleepaway camp for over 100 years, too. So we really tried to keep the, the place feeling like uh, an old-fashioned get-outside-and-play type of a sleepaway camp, but it's in a day camp format. Um, really a special place. And it is a place where we, we try to do things right and we're a little bit old school in the way that we approach things and talk to people, no phones, get outside and play. Um, we have a shirt that says kids need, kids need dirt. And uh, we sort of use that in a way of just get outside and get dirty, but also in a way to talk about grit and resilience and things like that too. Um, and in a lot of ways, we end up, I think, being an inspiration and a bit of a breath of fresh air for the parents. 
Um, yeah, especially, I mean, think about these are parents that, that you know, 90% of them probably head to New York City every single day. So yeah, for them yeah. to be like Both 30, parents. right, 30, 40 miles away to be in this like little oasis, right? So if you guys look at Long Island, like the middle of Long Island, there's these little humps that go across the top. There's one that's Huntington and he's right off of that, right? Is that a fair assessment? Yeah, Western Suffolk. Um, so, you know, when we start thinking about the way that all of this sh- shook out in the spring, um, what, we, what we knew was that parents were really looking to Camp Arvernia and kids were really looking to Camp Arvernia. We were all trapped inside the quarantine. I mean, New York got hit early and hard uh, with the virus. And even at that, there was a lot of controversy and there was, there was a lot of politics going around and a lot of confusion. And I think a lot of the parents really kind of looked to us and how are we handling it? So I, sort of, I started sending some letters, uh, some emails home regularly just to say, hey, hang in there. We care about you. It really kind of been, uh, became something where we were able to, to make connections with the, the families. And I think for a lot of them, they were like, what's camp going to do? And it felt like we had this tremendous pressure to really be there for their kids. All these kids are trapped inside. They were on their screens. You know, they were doing everything that Camp Arvernia is not about. And I think the parents really just kind of were longing for Camp Arvernia to run and their kids to be able to be outside and to get back to basics. Kids need to get outside and play. Um, so for us, the, the decision to, to change our program, to cancel our regular children's camp program, was incredibly difficult, knowing that we had over 130 years of continuously running, knowing that the parents really were hoping and, and longing for our, their kids to be able to come um, to get fresh air, to socialize, all of that. Um, and, and I think that ultimately, you know, we, we, we had to kind of take a big step back, as most people did, and say, regardless of what the government says, regardless of what the other camps in our area are doing, what makes the most sense for who we are, what our mission is, what our property is, what our values are? Um, and the hard thing about that was that we were having these conversations. I was literally working from the basement of my house. It, it wasn't that let's get together and have that warm feeling together with the staff, you know, where we really, we inspire each other and we rally each other. Mm-hmm. Up. It just kind of felt like, what, what am I trying to do right now? I felt, felt very isolated and very alone. And I, I remember wondering if other camp directors were feeling the same. And I feel like I'm lucky because I have you and I have a lot of other camp directors that I've made friends with over the years, regular meetings with nonprofit camp directors, boards that I sit on. And we were all sort of meeting over Zoom like this and saying, what are you doing? How are you feeling? Are you taking care of yourself? What are you going to do for the summer? Um, and so I felt like I had a lot of support from other people and a lot of connection. Um, this industry, I think, is really, really special in that way. Um, I did see some division and some fighting and disagreement, you know, in, in some online social media, but um, that's kind of par for the course nowadays with Facebook and things like that. But the way that people really looked out for each other and supported each other's decisions was really special to see. So, so and I, I, sorry, I love that you brought up the fact that it had to be an individual decision for each camp because every camp is different. We're, we're all so different. Um, I think that's an important part of all this. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I, had, I had some personal pressure too. You know, my, my, uh, my wife is an international flight attendant. She's a Chinese speaker. So very early on, flights to, to Chinese-speaking countries were canceled. So she wasn't working. Um, and I knew that my contract, that I'm not a camp owner. So we're a nonprofit camp and it's owned by the Franciscan Brothers. My contract expired in September. So when it was, you know, April, May, I was looking ahead to being like, well, this might be my last summer, you know, and I don't know if what decisions I make this summer are going to impact that, but I'm going to make sure to stay in contact with the board and have reasons and justifications for everything that I do um, going forward. I'm happy to report that I've gotten a contract renewal. So, so I'm envisioning, so I'm envisioning, I'm envisioning Ben you. walking into the board. Well, I guess it'd be on Zoom, right? With a little briefcase. And you, did you have to like present your case? Like, like this is why we want to do what we want to do? Or they just put it all on your shoulders and said, whatever you think, we're behind you or what? Yeah, I mean, a, a, little, of, a little of each. I really was the, the, 
the prime mover and kind of reaching out. And I think, you know, when I reached out a few times, they were like, oh, yeah, Camp Arvernia. You know, it was kind of one of those things. <laughs> some boards are very, sorry if anyone's listening to this, but some boards are very, like, hands-on. Our board is a little more relaxed. And in a good way, you know, I think they trust me and they trust the staff here, the team here, uh, that we've always done a, a really good job and we've done really well at running the camp. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that communication is really vital, though, for any nonprofit. Um, when something really dramatically shifts, of course, you're going to try to fulfill your mission, but you've got to make sure that you stay in contact with your board, make sure that everything, even if it's not a scheduled meeting, you know, make sure that, that they know what you're, what you're thinking. Um, I didn't want to have to feel like the decision rested on my shoulders entirely, um, or even that I had to explain or defend to the board. Uh, so the way that I approached it was I went, I, I spoke with them and I said, here's what I'm thinking. Um, I had no idea where they stood and, and what I was going to get back from them. Uh, but thankfully they all said, yeah, we think that this is the right decision and let's go forward. And thank you for, for running this, this place so well. So, so what did you do, uh, in regards to like, like when you told your camp parents, like, you know, and Kelly, you could chime in with this too. Like, how did you um, frame it for the parents, like in giving them options in regards to like rolling the, rolling their tuitions over or getting a full refund and everything else in between? Yeah. Well, I mean, the hardest thing similar to Kelly was, you know, we were sort of hoping that the government would help us make the decision. Um, but I think we sort of realized early on with some of the advocacy that was going on that it was pretty, it was pretty clear that they were going to let us run. It just wasn't sure. We weren't sure how, you know, what the requirements and stipulations would be. Uh, but once they said, yes, you have permission to run, then we had to sit back and be like, okay, do we feel like it's prudent or responsible or uh, do we still want to do this? And so we sat back and, and one of the biggest concerns that we had was parent buy-in, trust, and then staff as well. You know, it was really just so much of this is uncertain. And like I said earlier, a lot of it became very politicized and we didn't really want to take a stance one way or another about what we believed or didn't believe. All we knew was that something dangerous was happening and we're all about mitigating risk, but we're also about protecting and keeping kids and staff safe. Um, to be honest, we didn't know if we could trust that the parents and the staff would be on board with what we, what we felt like had it had to happen. And I know I've spoken with a lot of camp directors that did run the summer and the lengths that you guys had to go to maintain safety and mitigate risk. I mean, my hat is off to you. You guys are heroes, you know, and I've been taking notes <laughs> for, for the upcoming summer. Um, so yeah, I mean, we reached out to the parents and, you know, we've been run very conservatively uh, from a financial standpoint. So we reached out to the parents and we said, whatever you want, Basically, you know, we'll give you a refund. Uh, please donate if you can. Please hold your credit to next year if you can. Uh, but if you need a refund, we understand. Um, and then we, you know, as a nonprofit too, we do a lot of scholarship work and we do uh, serve a lot of families in the community in other ways. Um, so we reactivated a program that we have that we run every, every um, holiday season where families can choose to kind of adopt another family in the, in the camp community and buy gifts and winter clothes and things like that. So we just reactivated that program. We said, look, we're running this program. It's called Avernia's Angels. We're running it now for the pandemic. There are families out there that don't have resources, that don't have groceries, that don't have PPE, whatever it might be. Um, can any of you help them? And we just provided kind of a, a conduit. So we took in money and then we sent gifts and, and um, groceries and things like that uh, to some of these families. It's a great and idea. I, anyway, so the, the families that, that, uh, responded, 50% of them held their credit to next year, which was a big help for us in terms of kind of rem remaining financially um, solvent. Um, I felt like it was a tremendous vote of confidence. I really didn't know if everyone was going to say, well, you know what, sorry, guys, we love you, but camp is a luxury and we need our money right now. Um, financially, you know, it was, it was a lot of upheaval with the pandemic, right? Sure. So uh, I don't know. What about you, Kelly? What did you guys end up doing? What we did is after we sent those video messages about here's our why and this is what the summer is going to look like for us, we sent an email and really similar to you, Ben. So we basically said, you know, we're a private camp and if you can keep your money with us, then that really helps set us into a better place for 2021. But if you can't, we completely understand. So we made four different registration phases for next, next year. So the families that kept 
all of their money with us and had paid in full, they kept the rates for this year. So they won't have any tuition increase for next year. And then they're in the first phase. Families that rolled over any money with us will be in that same phase, but we'll have the 2021 rates. And then families that um, kept just their deposit with us will register. And then families that didn't keep any money with us will register and then new families. So we kind of consider them as having attended this summer in our phases of registration. So that's what we offered to them. And yeah, just said, if you can help us and keep it with us, great. But if you can't, you know, we understand and your family and taking care of yourself comes first. So that's great. Well, what kind of response did you get from that? I, we had more than 50% keep their money with us, um, which is great. And, you know, my husband and I kind of took measures prior to make sure that we could be sustainable and, um, you know, what's another loan on top of another loan? So, uh, you know, we're like, yeah, you know, um, but it was really positive. It was really positive and they were supportive and um, that was very, very, they're very gracious with us for sure. The one thing I hear from both of you guys that I'm really just impressed with is just um, the the problem solving. Like, okay, we can't do this, so we're going to do this. Like just hopping to a new solution. Like Kelly, how you all like took the dreams and aspirations of the counselors into effect and, you know, what do you want to see? How can we reimagine what it looks like? And Ben, how you're saying we had to, you know, you went in and not an owner, but as a director, like job could be on the line, but I'm going to be very upfront about how I feel, why this matters to me, you know, and then you gain that support and just the willingness and vulnerability and being able to ask the parents, you know, putting that out there, reviving the other program that allows everybody to have this like community spirit where we're helping everybody. So again, I think that um, even the teachers like that had to, to flip between virtual school, like have shown this resilience and this grit. And I think as a human race, we've just shown that like we can meet adversity with something positive. And so the fact that we're able to do that in this camp spaces, both with running camp and not running camp, I think it just really reiterates that there was no right answer and that everybody was just trying to do the best that they could. So that's super enlightening. Yeah. Well, Ben, keep going in what you guys did this summer, because I know you did even more things. It was a very impressive list you sent me the other day. Yeah. So, I mean, so that was one of the things we said, you know, there's no way that we can keep this beautiful property empty for the summer. We had to do something, Um, you know, especially, you know, like we're talking about Tiff. what can you do? You know, we have, we feel like we had this, this responsibility to the community that we had to run something, you know, should we do childcare for essential workers? Should we do, I mean, and you fill in the blank classroom space uh, somehow for summer school. Um, so what we ended up, ended up deciding to do was we ran basically a family camp. And I know there's a lot of camps that, that ran similar programs, um, but we realized, okay, we have an opportunity. We have 15 acres of property. We have pools, we have the waterfront, um, we have acres, uh, 15 acres with, with buildings too, with cabins. So we basically retooled all of our cabins um, and ran a family camp where a family would basically rent a, ca- a cabin for the day and then we kind of ran them through a program for the day. Um, the parents had to come, you know, with any of their kids. You couldn't just one parent with a bunch of random kids. It had to be, you know, those kids. But that was pretty much it. You know, we said, you guys... Um, are going to have a, a nice day. You don't have to go anywhere. You can just come right up the road to, to the day camp property that you know and love. So we did, we also did um, swim lessons, private swim lessons. We did sailing. We had campfires running at night, kind of a similar thing where we, we, we built four or five additional fire pits around the property. And uh, that was a fun thing too. Um, so it, it was a really good way, I think, for, for parents, especially ones that had family family members that were you know compromised or you know things a lot of families told us that they had basically been locked in their homes until they came to family yeah it was new york i mean you were near new york city it was crazy during that time so so did you leave it to like the honor system in regards to like face coverings and social distancing and stuff or did you have like a little social distance police force <laughs> that was like out there when all these things were going I on. I mean, people what? were, people were very good. You know, I think the best thing about um, when, when it came to now it's different because the rules are statewide and everyone's like Kelly right. said, everyone's getting used to distancing and things like that. But we just said, look, you know, we're, we're not going to make any statements about what we think. We're not epidemiologists, but what we do know is that we want everyone to feel comfortable and to feel safe when they're here. So whenever you're within six feet of one of our staff, we're going to require you to wear uh, a mask. And then within your own group, you can act however you wish. If it's your family and you want to stay close together and not wear masks or, or however it might be, 
Some people came together with their neighbors. We didn't really police that so much either. Um, but it was really just stay away from the other groups <laughs> and wear a mask <laughs> if you're going to approach any of our staff. Um, we did have them sign some, some stuff, you know, basically saying that they understood that they were going to follow these guidelines. Uh, and we tried to do everything, you know, contactless as much as possible. All of our staff that were here, I gave them PPE um, and we, you know, had sanitizing solution to clean and sanitize um, everything. We basically treated the family camp as kind of like, let's try out what we would do if we were running camp with, with childcare. And I think we got a lot of really good experience that we're going to be able to use in 2021. We were able to tell our families, yeah, you know, we, we did run a camp in the pandemic. It wasn't what we wanted. You know, we, we typically have up to 450 kids at once and almost 200 staff. It was very clear that we weren't going to be able to do that, even with modifications. So what we were able to do is to run up to 70 people in a day and, you know, 25 to 30 staff. Um, and so we really, we're looking at a similar model for next year that if we run childcare next year and there's no change in the way that the pandemic has progressed, that we'll be able to run this model, um, similar to what I'm sure you guys did too, that ran just with the pods and having them travel around camp and not interact with the other, with the other pods. Uh, it, it felt like it was, it felt a little bit crazy, especially the first few days when nobody really came, you know, cause I don't think anyone was spending money. Nobody knew what we were doing. It just felt very confusing. Um, but then as kind of momentum built over the summer, suddenly we were sold out for the last couple of weeks. Um, then, of course, we had a hurricane in the middle of that, so we were closed for a week. So <laughs> it was basically the craziest summer that you could imagine. 2020. I'm just glad it's over. That, yeah. <laughs> I think at the beginning of the year, we all said like 2020 vision. And we oh, never God. envisioned any of this. <laughs> and then so and stuff kept happening. It was just like, okay, okay, okay. Oh my God, forgot about that saying. I haven't heard that in a while. That is <laughs> and my son bad. lives in Brooklyn and he only got on the rooftop all the way through like July. So March through July, oh, yeah. the only outside air <laughs> was the rooftop. Yeah, well, we actually had some families come out from uh, Brooklyn and from Queens. Um, you know, that, that had heard about what we were doing and they just needed to escape the city and have somewhere to be. I heard somebody was running an app where you could rent your pool. People were making crazy amounts of money. You know, we, we, we really tried to figure out what, what was a way that we could serve the families and not kind of, you know, be overcharging everyone. Um, and I tried not to look too hard at the budget because we did spend money this year. Uh, even though we, we canceled everything and refunded everybody, we still continue to invest in the property, similar to what Kelly uh, was saying earlier. Just upgrading facilities, doing preventative maintenance, making sure that the place was in tip-top shape. Um, in a very real way, it was kind of like a showcase for the property. I don't know if, if you guys imagine what it feels like to have not just take care of the kids with your staff like you normally do, but now the parents, every parent is here free roaming the property all day and they can look under every rock and in every cabin and whatever they well in their cabin um and so we really wanted to make sure that everything was was tip top but you know what it was good because it kept us sharp and we found a lot of things that we we needed to address and we were able to upgrade and i think that the property is even better for it that's excellent so so kelly and and ben so looking for looking towards 2021 like have you made like the statement to your families yet like we are absolutely running in 2021 not yet we haven't done that mm -hmm. why are you holding uh, back or do you because because you might not um why am i holding back good question andy i I typically, we typically start to talk about our next year's season right after Thanksgiving. We talk about here's when our dates are, here's what mm -hmm. this looks like, pricing to get them geared up then for January. So I've just waited knowing as a parent, I have two kids at home, I have three kids. Oh my gosh, I just lost the kids during this <laughs> podcast. Oh my gosh, kids, don't listen to this. I have three children. Hansberger, fix it in the editing room. We don't want to get kids getting oh, irritated. Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. Um, I have three children at home. See, this is how parents are feeling right now with hybrid school. Yep. This is why, Andy, because I don't know how many kids I have. Also, I don't know for those of you not watching in, in YouTube, like she's obviously like in her attic stowed away, like away oh, from everybody totally. too. I'm like, kids, I'm doing a podcast. Don't come up here. 
um, yeah, because I don't even know where my kids are. I don't even know what day it is. So I am, a, as a parent, know what I'm feeling like right now trying to ease back into this new norm of school. So I want to wait a little bit to let families get into that mode before we talk about summer. So that's the only reason that I have. I'm sure it's on their minds, um, but I'm just waiting a little bit so that we, and we are thoughtful about it. I want to be really thoughtful and intentional about what I say um, and how we approach that. So that's why I haven't yet. Gotcha. Ben? Yeah, we did announce uh, that we're running in 2021 and um, we're opening registration almost exactly the way that you described, uh, Kelly. Um, normally, we open registration in August for the following summer. So this year, we, we're waiting until October. And um, it's, it's, it does feel a little bit um, you know, strange that not, nothing has really changed significantly in terms of COVID-19, except that we all have a lot more experience now. And it's been a few months now that New York has been at about 1% infection rate for at least our region. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that we've learned a lot about how to mitigate risk. And um, I think that parents are also a lot more educated about what they can reasonably expect from us as camp professionals. And even even with school right now, you know, I really feel like the parents had to really say, okay, school is valuable. And if anything, I'm willing to take these steps to be able to get school or maybe they decided to say hey i'm not willing to take those steps so that's what i'm going to do and i think as camp professionals that's what really we really have to do too is say what are we willing to do um so for us you know running these programs this summer was a great kind of trial balloon and we feel comfortable and i can tell the parents that i feel uh, comfortable uh knowing that we're going to be able to run we have decided to reduce the total amount of kids that we're going to serve uh this summer and we are making um, a number of adjustments in the schedule. We're not announcing anything about busing, for instance. Um, we're not really sure what that's going to look like. Um, so we are saying that there's going to be some changes and some modifications. And I think the best thing that I think the parents are on board is to say we are, our expectation is that we might have to continue to be flexible and continue to communicate with you throughout uh, this whole process. That's I think sure. being able to maintain that trust is really, really important, no matter what the summer ends up looking like. So did you choose your prices yet? Did you go up at all? Uh, yeah, we are going to go up a little bit. Uh, just just like Kelly said, the folks that held their credit um, are going to get 2020 rates. Um, everyone, up is, everyone else is going to get uh, a bit more of a, a jump and then a little bit less of a discount. You know, so we've decreased the discounts and increased the tuition um, and then running with just fewer, fewer kids overall. But I'm also hoping to to find ways to reduce expenses. Also, um, you know, we've got to we've got to find a way to at least break even for the summer. The problem with with holding credit, which um, I'm sure most of you guys know, is that not only do you have a significant effect in the current season, but then you're embracing another uh, loss in the next year. Um, so it's great that people held credit, but all you're doing is just kicking it down the the line till next summer. So we have to find a way to serve all those kids and then also get some additional revenue on top of that. Um, in, in regards cool. to the busing, I think that's a, it's a bold you know, idea not to do busing for someone like you, knowing that you're on top of a peninsula, <laughs> right? Sure. Well, I mean, we, we are hoping to do busing. I just don't know what it's going to look like. So I think what, I'm gonna t- what we're telling people is we're not going to release any information about busing at this point. Please know that we may ask you to drive your kid. Um, but I fully expect that we'll be able to do busing. It will just probably have to be a lot more expensive. And I don't know if parents are going to be on board for that. It might just be. Well, if it means you know. a lot to them, let them pay extra for it. Right? Sure. And I, I also feel like, um, I think the next, I think by the spring, it's going to be a very different situation. You know, I, I think that this pandemic has really shown me like every 30 days, it's, it's a whole new world. We have a big election coming up. Um, they're rushing vaccines to market. I feel like the vaccine thing is going to be a mess. Um, so we, we really do want to not overpromise to parents. We want to play it very conservative right now and say we are going to plan to run. And right now we're making plans as if nothing is different from from today. Um, And then if things improve and as things improve, hopefully things improve, then we can kind of open things up and give more information and give more services. But right now we're just going to keep it real 
Yeah. I think as long as you're telling people you're going to open, they'll be happy. And then anything else is sort of icing on the cake. I think it's a major key for all of us to say, like, we're going to under promise and then over deliver because then people would just be happy with with that if you if you are conservative in your offerings and then you're able to do the world moon and skies and everybody will be you know even more excited um and the other thing that you mentioned was like how you were really slow like no one showed up at first and then by the end you know you were totally full so i think that that also speaks to just the level of comfort that we all gained as time as time went on yeah i think it's really easy to look back now and think oh man we totally could have ran you know, but we couldn't have, you know, no. now we, now we feel more comfortable. So now I feel like, yes, we can run in 2021. Um, I, I really relate to what you were saying, Kelly, about, oh man, it's just so, so gut wrenching all of those decisions and thinking back and you think, well, we made the right decision. Did we? You know, <laughs> so it's easy yeah. to second guess. It's yeah. so easy to second guess yourself. I am like a walking quote or affirmation. So I have this sign and, and I always overthink. So I have this sign in my bathroom and it says, in life, no regrets, only lessons. So if you look at it from that perspective, it's just like, well, should we, should we have not, who knows, you know? So we did it we're moving forward. We're not looking back because that's not the way we're going. And I love that, Tiff. Thanks so much for, for sharing. That's great. I'll take right. that on a t-shirt, Tiffany. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. I'm sure she's got one on a t-shirt already <laughs> <laughs> with her with her logo on it. So, um, <laughs> so we're moving on now to the to the. Uh, you know, I love it. I love it. We're moving on to the uh, the day camp uh, tip of the week, sponsored by our friends, commercial recreation specialists, the fine purveyors of the best recreation solutions to keep camp going strong. Check out their website at CRS4Rec. Com. CRS is serious about fun. And one thing that they're, uh, that they're pushing right now is the custom inflatable floating obstacle course. I don't know if any of you guys have seen that kind of thing. It's not just for lakes. You can get it in your pools where it's like, you know, I don't know. It's got to be like 40, 50 feet long. And it's literally an obstacle course where the kids sort of bounce across it and stuff like that. And of course, fall out onto into the water and all. Um, super cool. Um, we have been renting them from a, a rental company that's, that rents moon bounces and stuff. But apparently these guys sell them too. Um, it says any size from small to massive. Custom design for your location, budget, and need can create continuous play opportunities so you don't have to swim between pieces. I like that. So anyway, CRS, my man Rich Wills, We'll see you at the next virtual or in-person camp conference. <laughs> All right. So my first uh, day camp tip of the week, um, this is something um, I've been bantering about with a lot of uh, day camp professionals the last few weeks when we were talking about the silver linings that came from this summer. And one of the things is that for years, I told people, um, don't bring a water bottle because your kid's just going to lose it. We got water fountains. We got water jugs with paper cups and all. But of course, with the COVID thing, we were like, everybody should bring a water bottle. <laughs> and we converted our water fountains into water bottle filling stations where you press your bottle up against the thing and fills up in three seconds. And um, yeah, we, we made like six of them and seven maybe. And, and boy, were they the most popular things in camp. And um yeah, it turns out a lot of day camps ended up doing a similar kind of thing. They sort of retrofitted their um, their existing water fountains for that. And I uh, cannot endorse it any better than that. So that's mine. All right. What about you, Sam? Um, we've got a, f- a few of those filling stations, too, and they are amazing. Um, mine is mask accessories. So we learned the first day or two of camp that when they were outside playing tag with pool noodles and they could be socially distant and didn't have their mask on, that when we asked them then to go to archery and they needed their mask, they couldn't find it. So we started putting uh, ribbons or other fancy things, um, tying the earpieces so they could hang it around their neck. Um, So then when they went to the next activity, they still had their mask and they could put it up, put it down, put it up, put it down, whenever they needed. Um, But with teen camp, they could uh, bead their own mask. So for those of you on YouTube, I'll show you mine. Um, But I'll also have pictures on um, 
in the show notes. So they would do like you're doing a necklace uh, with seed beads or pony beads or whatever they wanted. And then you can buy the little clasps that fit over the ear things on your mask at any craft store. And they would just uh, tie those on the end and they had their own fancy necklace mask holder. It don't get campier than that, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> So I've got next. So yeah. my my um, tip of the week would be when it comes to social emotional learning, because that's kind of my jam. Um, there is a company called Big Life Journal and um, they're not a sponsor. They should be. But uh, I, I love they get free tips every day on Instagram. I live by Instagram, Pinterest and all those things for like my um, ideas of things to do. And they have so many daily tips that um, we had our counselors use with the kids. The really cool thing about them is that they're like adult sized tips for kids. So we use those in our staff meetings to reiterate that same sort of grit and resilience in our staff. Um, so it was kind of a win-win big life journal. Uh, check them out on Instagram. I think it's an awesome resource. Awesome. I shall. All right. Am I next? You are next, Kelly. Okay. So something that we did this summer that evolved out of the need to still, like, what can we still do that's campy, even though we don't have campers here, is I asked a counselor, and then she got two other counselors involved with her, to be the ambassadors of fun this summer. Typically, it's one someone on our leadership team that's in charge of a weekly staff event and fun things. But I got the idea at a conference to have one of our staff do it because then they are doing things that other staff most likely will like if they like it. And then they actually had a British twist on their name. So they became the ministers of fun. So it was three staff members that did an event every week, COVID friendly for staff morale, staff engagement, connection, and we'd end our workday early and do that at the end. So that's something that I will carry on and do uh, every summer from here, it was fantastic and work off of our plate, which is always a win-win. Yeah. Well, I mean, when there's kids there, they'll even have more to do, right? right. I mean, think how successful it was with just staff, right? That's right. Ministers of fun. Love it. All right, Ben. Bat and clean. So I've got a tip of the week. Um, one of the things that we always try to do as, as camp directors, and I even try to encourage my administrators and senior staff, stay connected to the kids, right? Well, this year, um, we had to find ways to stay connected to the property, which was actually really fun. It was something new for me. Uh, I mean, I started off in maintenance at the property, but it had been a long time since I really got out there and joined the work crews. Um, and so one of the things that we did with, when the hurricane came through and we had to be closed for five days is we looked at the property and said, okay, whatever you were doing before, whether you were a lifeguard, whether you, you know, whatever it would be, now you're on the maintenance crew. Now you're on the property crew. Now you're on buildings. And so we all kind of found a way to, to give back in some way. And I think it gave everybody a new perspective on that this facility is really special. And we all have a role in kind of learning how it works and, and making sure that it's, uh, that it's clean, that it's taken care of. Um, and I think that going forward, all of those people that participated for that week in taking care of the property are going to have a new appreciation for, for camp. That's great. I, I, I love that framing. Um, like at my camp, we say everybody's on the inclusion team, right? Um, you know, that, the fact that everybody should be on the facility team, you know, I, I think that's great. Campers and kids, you know, I think what happens, especially with kids, is that they see that there's people that pick up the garbage and there's people that do this and there's people that do that. And then they're just like, oh, great. I don't have to worry about it. Right. <laughs> it's up to us to empower them. And by the way, totally. Tiff, I found that Instagram already. It's pretty awesome. It is awesome. <laughs> All right. Well, I want to thank Kelly and Ben for coming and sharing their um, their gut-wrenching stories from the spring. I'm sorry. Lessons, Hopefully, lessons, lessons, lessons. All lessons. Lessons, right? All lessons. lessons and, um, and look, you know, what does not kill you makes you stronger. You guys must be really strong. Um, we all are after this year. Um, and I want to thank Sam and Tiff for being amazing co-hosts as well. Um, yeah, we're all learning from each other. Um, there, there's so much that we can learn, right? And, and this is a great time for the camp industry to come back together. I know we were a little splintered and fractured at times, all right, when the summer picked up. But now, we, you know, our job is to, to make everybody better for next time. Right, so we could all run safely and effectively and efficiently because efficient is going to be really important, as we all know, because uh, we're all alluding to the fact that money is tight. 
right? So we want to thank, thankfully, speaking of money, we want to thank our sponsors again, AM Skyer and Commercial Recreation Specialists for helping make this podcast possible, right? And our Go Camp Pro support team. Um, if you don't want to miss an episode of the Day Camp Pod, you should subscribe. And if you like what you're hearing, give us a nice rating. Check out the show notes for this and the other episodes at daycamppodcast.com, as well as contact information for the show, our guests, and our co-hosts. Uh, Thank you for listening and making yourself a better day camp professional. We'll be back soon with another episode of the Day Camp Podcast. The Day Camp Podcast is brought to you by Go Camp Pro and the Go Camp Pro Podcast Network. Find a podcast for camp professionals of every age and stage at gocamp.pro slash podcast. Thanks for listening, friends. Hey, Camp Pros. We love that our industry is built on sharing. In order to foster that spirit, we hope that whenever you share an idea that you learn from the Camp Hacker podcast, conference, summer camp professionals group, or wherever else, that you're quick to give credit where credit is due. That way, we can all encourage more Camp Pros to share the tips and tricks that will make camp better.